Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. My name is Jimmy Palumbo, and I am your host of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. As you well know, I try to say my name at the top as much as I can because no one else is screaming out my name. Literally, this is our post-holiday show. Um, and, of course, I got Chris Gucci behind the glass here at Shea. Um, and uh, it's been a little nuts, uh, but I'm... I'm back off the COVID list. Uh, Johnny Trino is back. I tested negative. I stayed inside a bunch. And uh, so I'm good to go there. And uh, we'll get to that in a second. But this is show number 42. And listen, um, for my father, I could easily say Jerry Coleman. Uh, Art Fowler was the pitching coach for the Yankees in 77 and 78. You also got Ronnie Lott, uh, James Worthy. I can go there. But I'm never going to say Ronnie Lott because – they played for the 49ers, and I hated them back then because the Giants actually beat them a bunch of times, and but the Giants got beat by them too. And James Worthy is a Laker, and back then we didn't get Laker games here like people do now. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, listen, uh, Jackie Robinson, of course. But I never go with star players, only occasionally, and we all know which ones I do. But listen, number 42 is, is, is Mariano Rivera. Uh, if you take away the Jackie Robinson thing, um, it's Mariano Rivera. And I just did some quick, as you guys know, I have another show called Whatever Happened to That Guy. And we don't really get to um, talk about guys like Mariano Rivera on that show, only because uh, everybody knows what happened to that guy. <laughs> but Mariano Rivera, Hall of Famer, 100% ballot. Uh, listen, this guy, you know, even if you hate the Yankees, um, I, I even think Red Sox fans don't hate Mariano Rivera. Uh, they got to him a couple of times, but really at the end of the day, this guy pitched for 19 years. His ERA was 2.21. His whip was one. All right. Now, 11 of the years, his ERA was under 2.0. That's like, that's crazy. And for 10 of his years, his whip, which is walks um, and hits per innings pitched, was under one. So half his career, his whip was under one. That's incredible. He had nine years, he had over 40 saves. Two years, he had over 50. 96 postseason games with an ERA of 0. .70, okay? His whip was 0.759 in the playoffs. Um, he had 141 uh, uh, innings in the playoffs as a closer. Um, in 19 years, he made six errors. That's Unbelievable to me. Um, 13 All-Star games. He made $170 million, according to baseball reference. It really, to me, it should have been $4 billion, if you ask me. Uh, he did have 73 career-blown saves uh, over 19 years. So that is also incredible. I think Trevor Hoffman has 76, but his stats don't compare at all. Anybody thinks they did. Um, and even he had 42 saves in the postseason. But he did have five blown saves in the postseason, of which one of them, the Yankees came back to win. Uh, and he also has five rings. So in my opinion, as good as the Jeters and everybody else were, Mariano Rivera, I, Mariano Rivera, I call him the difference. He was the difference. Like, there was other shortstops in the league better than Jeter, uh, better than O'Neal, Tino Martinez, Bernie Williams, but no other team had a guy as good as Mariano Rivera. He's the greatest closer of all time. I think he, you could actually say he's the greatest weapon in a baseball game of all time, only because he simply didn't give up that many hits and he didn't blow that many saves. And he was just an awesome 100% Hall of Fame 
which is very difficult to do. Um, and that's it. So show number 42, I have to give to Mariano Rivera. And my next Yankee shirt, I have a 44. I have to get a 42. Uh, a little prelim when we get to show number 44, who that guy's going to be. But number 42, Mariano Rivera. And I got Chris Gucci behind the glass. Who do you got? Well, first, a couple notes on on your your rundown of Rivera. Well done. I'm most impressed by your your acknowledgement of what walks, hits, and innings pitched is, what whip is, yes. because typically that's a stat that you bash, and you've actually right. bashed that stat probably on this podcast. And two is, while it was a, a great... But, but if you think about it, though, made, it's, it's, you know what I like about it is? It's called whip, and yeah. it's walks, hits, hits innings, innings pitched. Pitch. So it, it is kind of... It's, it's one of those stats it's, that's it's properly it's named, annoying, but and you also, get it. what if you what if you don't give up a lot of hits, but you're walking three guys a game? So, yeah, walks and hits per innings pitch is a very, I think, a pure stat. It is definitely a pure stat. This is one of those extra, one of those what are they next gen, next level stats that right. I think belongs. It definitely sticks. And I will say that while it was a great speech and I was, it was impressed and I agree with every word you said, Mariano Rivera does not fit the criteria for this show because no, much no, like, no. do you remember that guy? Um, we are supposed to do these obscure guys. Like my guy is a little bit obscure. I, I was okay. going to go with a Packer because but remember when, this, I did say that there are certain numbers. Yes. Yes. And of I, course. And that's why I'll, I'll let this, I'll let this one slide. I was okay. going to go with the Packer because Usually when you when you snatch up the Yankee and, and obviously there's only one Yankee worth mentioning wearing number 42, I usually go to the gridiron. And Which Packer were you going to go with? I was going to go with Darren Sharper because there's an interesting story. <laughs> for those that know what's going on with Darren Sharper, he's now in jail for basically doing to women what Bill Cosby did or didn't oh, do for that matter. So I remember we'll, that we'll, story. Oh, we're not going to oh. touch on it, but Darren no. Sharper is definitely a Loser. piece of shit. Yeah, yep. and um, <laughs> I'm going to go with a trivia question. So we all know that Mariano Rivera was the last player to wear number 42 since they retired the number throughout the league, you know, in honor of Jackie Robinson. My guy is the last position player, non-pitcher, uh -huh. to wear number 42 in the major leagues. And I guess I I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to not tell you. I'm, I'm going to make you guess. I don't think I can I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. He last played for the Mets. And he also was a longtime Red Sox, and he and he fits the bill of a guy I that I believe I that Jimmy would really like. I know. First of all, I I think I know who it is because if, if I like him, that means he's fat, and he played for the Red Sox a long time, and he he actually was a good trade for the Mets or pickup. Yeah, but he got hurt and he stunk and he was a bust. Mo Vaughn, absolutely the Mo Vaughn show number forty two. <laughs> one of the Red Sox that I've actually. Kind of like because the Red Sox really weren't doing much at the time, and Mo Vaughn he just had and that. Mo Vaughn's a Jersey guy. Played for didn't he yeah, play yeah. Got to yeah. get behind a Mo Vaughn. And yep, um, the interesting thing about Mo Vaughn is I I was looking through the list of forty twos, and I came across an interesting baseball stat or a list of the the final player to wear number forty two for each team. And Mo Vaughn actually was the the only player in the league to to be the last player to wear 42 for multiple teams. He did it for the Red Sox and the Mets that we're talking about. So move oh, on. Cool. Last, that's cool. The last 42. Interesting that, trivia for that for is listeners. a good. You know what? I get again, my Chris Gucci behind the glass every now and then, like I say, you always hit a big three pointer as a producer. And that took a little, I know it. I know it affected you to not name a Packer. And I get that. 
But uh, this was a little different because, you know, listen, we're in, we're in Mariano Rivera territory. We don't normally talk about stuff like that. But, yes, yeah, so Mo Vaughn and um, Mariano Rivera, excellent trivia spots uh, on each. A uh, little prep work on, on both of us. Uh, I will, uh, you know, listen, I guess I know some people don't like when I do sports stuff, but um, I think some people do. And if you want to skip ahead, you can. I don't care. I'm going to be talking about some cool stuff later. I'm going to be real quick with my stinks list. Um, uh, I'll go real quick. I always start with the AFC. The Bills, I upgraded to good. The Patriots, I just have as good. Dolphins are average. The Jets stink, even though they won. Um, Cincinnati Bengals, they upgraded to good. Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, all stink. Tennessee Titans, I have as good. And the Colts, I upgraded to good, but I put a little star there saying they might, they could turn out, they may pop into a very good. We'll see what happens. Houston Texans stinks. Jaguars stink. Kansas City, look, 11 and 4. I have to put them in the very good. Chargers, I've reduced the Chargers to stink. They're 8 and 7. They stink. I upgraded the Raiders uh, to average. I don't really know why. Um, They're a borderline thing. And uh, Denver Broncos, I've been saying that they stink. If you go to the NFC, look, I got to bump the Cowboys up to very good. Um, uh, they finally, the other night, they, you know, they listen, they, they blew out the uh, a team that stinks, but they still blew them out. So I got it 11 and four is 11 and four. So I got to bump them up to very good. I have the Philadelphia Eagles as average only because um, the giant game was three, three at the half. I'll get to that in a second. I reduced the Redskins to stink because that was a, a pathetic showing against the Cowboys. The Giants have now, we've now created a new category for the Giants, double stink. So it's a 2S on that. Green Bay Packers, hey, got to keep it very good. They've been there for a while. Vikings, Bears, Lions, all stink. Tampa Bay, keep them at very good. Saints, Falcons, Panthers, stink. The Rams, I upgraded to very good because you know what? 11 and 4 is 11 and 4. I got, I reduced the Cardinals to average, and I think the 49ers and Seahawks stink. So, we have one double stink, the New York Giants, 16 stinks, four averages, five goods, and upgraded to now I have five very goods, which is an all-time high for me. Interesting thing, there's way more stinks in the NFC, but there's also more very goods. Yes. So I find that interesting. I think, I think that's the only – the one thing that I'll agree with about your list is obviously there's some very good teams that you're, st- you're starting to take notice of. But, yes, the NFC is very top-heavy. Very and then outside heavy, of the top means, five teams, it gets so the a, argument a big is, drop off. Are these teams heading into the playoffs? Only reason why they're winning all these games is because most of the teams they play stink, or are they just the way it is this year? So it happens that these uh, four teams are, are very well. Good. I think I think there's something to be said across the league. I, in other words, if I was going to bet, can you bet in Vegas that the NFC will win the Super Bowl? Is that a bet? Can you yes. bet that? Yes, absolutely. Like, like overall, right now, I said the it doesn't matter who the NFC is going to win it. I would say, based upon Jimmy Palumbo's stink list, <laughs> the NFC is going to win. Um, of course, yeah, know, I think it, I think it's been top heavy all year, and there's some teams, particularly the, the Chiefs, that stand out to me. And you have five teams. I think that the Colts definitely belong on the very good. I'm I didn't. Say well, why. I, I, I'm not going to talk them. much. I'm not going to bash your list. I'm just going to say one thing that I will recognize the asterisk that you put there because the Colts right now are eight and two in their last ten games. And listen to me now. They've lost only to the Titans, who you have as good, right? right. So that's a that's a 
a, a reasonable loss. And then, the, and then they lost to Tampa Bay, who you have is very good. So eight and two, the only two losses are clear playoff teams. And Colts are you have, real. And believe it or not, um, occasionally I listen to your show, and you have been saying all year, you don't really know how good the Colts are going to be, but they do everything well. They have yes. a decent defense. They did decent offense. They have good special. In other words, they don't stink in any category. Anything, and it all depends down. on and that, Carson Wentz. Get, right, and when you get into the playoffs, and none of your all eight of your categories don't stink, and you're winning games. There you yeah. go. And, so I think the and they're built. They're built. They're built to win on the road as well, which they're probably going to have to do. But yeah, the Colts are, are legit. Nobody so. wants to see the Colts. So that's the Jimmy Palumbo stink list. Uh, I know. For you, uh, listen, uh, the Giants. I'll be brief. Um, th there's just hull damage. Uh, uh, let's face it. Uh, this is the Titanic at this point. Um, I, I th the quarterback play in the second half, the third quarter and fourth quarter. Uh, I've been watching football since 1978. When I was around 13, everybody has a year they started watching sports or remember their team. Uh, mine's around 78. I don't recall, and the Giants have had some bad quarter. You know, your Danny Cannells, your Dave Browns. I think the quarterback play in the second half of the Giant game has to be in the top five worst of all time in the modern era, whatever you want to start the modern era. Uh, between from and 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 uh, and holding nothing against the Eagles, it, I I think the Eagles, listen, they're not that good. Look, but the Eagles never, are the Eagles are a good. Uh, Team against the pass, so it just wasn't a good. Situation no, you don't understand. The but these passes, no, I know, I saw it, it and was, it wasn't it was because good. always the pass rush. These were passes where the pass looked like if I said to you during a game, "Hey, Chris, the coach is going to let you come out of the stands right now and take a snap behind center, just roll out and throw to a guy." Like I think if if the if Devonte Adams was on the Giants, he would have only had three catches, only because he would have been wide open. But the quarterback would not have been able to deliver the ball in the region for that player to catch the ball. And against the Cowboys, it was proven none of their uh, interceptions were impressive last week. None of them. And I, I, you know, when they played the Giants, and I just think the quarterback play is atrocious. And they got a clean house. Everyone's got to go. Um, I think it's terrible that they did a little wiki leak that Jones and Judge are going to be back. That's so silly. Hire a GM. Let him put his people in there. If he and, wants and to keep it. the coach around, he wants to keep the quarterback around, let him. It's his but call. If he, if, look, you're not going to get any – I don't know if they're looking for a high-profile guy. I don't know that that's really the answer with these up-and-coming – got to go now. outside the organization. Yeah, I agree GM. with that. I mean, that's that's a given. It's, I think if they, yeah, if they haven't yeah, learned – Yeah, if they haven't learned their lesson. they got to go there. outside. they got to get someone young. Uh, I think when I say young, not not seventy. Uh, yeah, no, Gettle, just somebody Gettleman, with, a, with forward Gettleman's thinking. You got to be a different. You got to be a little more progressive. You got to be a little more willing in the free agency department. They have poor been, I guess, this year, but yeah, poor There's draft. A couple guys got hurt. Poor draft picks, and the, 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 remember Eric Flowers, big bust, big bust. He's good. He's still in the NFL, so that he's means actually you a, didn't he's manage good. things well. He's playing guard anyway, now, which is what he should have been playing since the gate. I think gate. I think uh, this is a personal note to John Mara. Listen, you got nieces that are uh, very pretty and awesome actresses. What you both need to do, you and uh, Tish got to sit down, hire a GM, right? And then you need to go away. No more press conferences. We just don't hear from you until 
you're in like the second round of the playoffs one year because you're right now <laughs> you're not a good owner. And since you officially took over outside of the, the Eli Manning year, when they won it, you've done nothing. And uh, yeah, you've, you haven't handled things well at all. So and to be Giants real, let's think, be real. They caught lightning in a bottle that year as it is. Absolutely. It wasn't like that. I know was, every giant fan knows we were nine and seven. We got hot in the playoffs. I get it. But you know what? We still got hot in the playoffs. So. Hey, I'm not, you can't take it away. Uh, it is, I'm just is saying what it is, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a Super Bowl team by any stretch when right. you really I mean, talk about how Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers never got hot in the playoffs twice. You know? <laughs> He's got to win it. You got to win it, bro. But, uh, and again, I watched Brady and Rogers just, um, just, throw the ball all over the place. I don't understand uh, defensive coordinators with Devontae Adams. Um, I just – I watched the game, and he's got this single coverage thing. I have to sit with someone who works for an NFL team because you – you, why ever is that guy – single coverage and he was doing those slants it was unfair rogers dropped back and it looked like you know what it looked like it looked like when i played the older guys in touch football on the street and i was covering a little jimmy was covering a guy who was like six years older and he did it down and in and i wasn't able to even if i was with him he was four foot taller than me and i couldn't in other words it was unfair and i don't yeah, care there's oh, a no, lot of we a were... lot of plays a lot of plays where they're the play is called and then at the line of scrimmage depending on the coverage they're not even doing anything they're not even saying you, a word you you have to i don't understand why there's not publicly like someone's some coach has got to come out and saying packers are going to beat us but adams ain't gonna beat us because it's a joke this guy's open on every play every play this guy's open it's stupid and and Ro it's not even a good play by rogers he's just it's almost like almost like rogers looks to the camera and goes this is weird. Why is this guy wide open like this? And it's not like uh, Adams. Don't get me wrong. Adams is the best receiver in the league. No doubt about that. But like, it's not like he's doing this crazy move, double spin move back. It's like he's doing the same move I would do. Jimmy, try to get open. I'd go, I'd go five, six feet forward and then make a right, try to like get open. And there's a guy covering him. And it's, I don't get it. Uh, anyway. It's another story, but of course Brady and Rogers are are all seventy years old, and they're still throwing touchdown passes. And I'm watching Glennon and Fromm. Anyway, enough with the sports with NFL. Uh, most of the games stunk this week, anyway. Um, so another big news: um, Rutgers. Now, Rutgers is going to the Gator Bowl. Now, most people were sending me nice thoughts on Facebook. Jimmy, your team made the bowl. Um, I guess I'm happy. You know, I get to watch the game Friday. Um, there's not that many games on Friday except for the uh, Cincinnati-Alabama game and Michigan-Georgia game. But Rutgers is definitely the uh, cocktail party before the big, the big thing. Uh, but I got to be honest with you. I think this is a bad idea for Rutgers. Um, I actually wish they declined it. Now, I'm told there's a $5 million payout. But every time Rutgers goes to a bowl game, they usually lose money. And they've been losing a lot of money lately. So I would, I would actually, I would have had, if I was Shiano, I would have had my accountant, the head accountant at Rutgers at the press conference. And he was going to explain to me, okay, the Gator Bowl writes a check for $5 million. That goes to the Big Ten. That gets divided by 12. We get to take our expenses out. I want to see pure that Rutgers, by going to this game, doesn't cost a taxpayer 
or the football program a dime. I'm talking about flying kids back in right now, extra meals. I would want an accountant go down to, we had to buy a Yoo-Hoo for the kids in the dorm. That was uh, uh, you know, 7,500 bucks. Because if, they're, if it costs Rutgers a dime, I don't think they should go. The second thing is, I think someone's going to get hurt. These kids, they said they've been working out in the tra- training room. You stop it. Either practicing or you're not practicing. The team wasn't practicing. Now, Wake Forest, they were in the national championship talk for, I think they were eight or nine and oh, if I'm not mistaken. They were in that talk for a little bit. They've been practicing since after Thanksgiving. They're a good team. And now yeah, that we're playing offense Rutgers is legit. Team. The offense is legit. Rutgers has they got to get dispensations to find out if the kids are declared for the draft to can play. I don't even know if that's going on yet. Now, the other thing is, who, who do you start at quarterback? Do you put the freshman in? Do you play Vedral? Uh, I don't even know if Vedral can play. I mean, uh, if uh, uh, Wimsat can play, uh, can he can he get Adam? Nobody knows anything. He let him stay home for Christmas, so they didn't get back. They got on campus late Saturday night. And yeah, we had practice, we had gotta- Mike Tvertoff. We had Mike Tvertoff in studio last week, and he did an interview with us, and he declared for the NFL draft. So, so he, uh, I, I haven't think, talked I to think him he, since. I was told they might be able to play. I don't know. No, this because I saw him make an Insta. He did make an Instagram post. We, you know, acting as if he was playing. I, I haven't confirmed that I, for sure, but I'm pretty sure that these guys I, are allowed to play. But I know they have to get. Uh, maybe he didn't hire an agent. That's the key thing. Well, but, um, no, he did. Then, then they have to get it. Uh, once that means you're a pro. I, I just, I just think I love Rutgers, and don't get me wrong. You know what? Friday, Friday, eleven a.m. I'll probably pour myself sit here in my apartment, pour myself a nice couple of Bloody Marys, and I'll enjoy watching the game. The only way this is a positive is if somehow in the third quarter it's twenty-one all, or Rutgers wins. Otherwise, I, I think there's going to be a COVID issue. That's another thing. All of New Jersey. Every every other person's getting COVID. The world's getting COVID. Texas A&M got COVID. That's not why they're not in the game. And now Rutgers all of a sudden is just going to, oh, we'll take, let, let's fly all the kids in and fly down there and we won't get COVID. I think the kids, are, there's going to be a COVID thing that's going to happen. I, I, I love Rutgers. I, I, nobody loves Rutgers more than me. But I think this was a bad move. And you tell me you couldn't get the games in Florida. You couldn't get one of those Florida Atlantic teams or Florida International. Or- yeah, and when you really think about it, it puts the kids that that did declare in a really tough spot because yeah, now, now they got to come this, back. This situation and, where and you what kind if, what of res- would you come back? What if you get no, hurt in this game? I absolutely would not come back. And that's you could look at it that however you'd like. But when it comes down to it, I, I gave everything I had already for the program. I I turned the the page, so to speak. And now I have other things that I'm preparing for, like the NFL combine or the Rutgers pro day. And that's what honestly yeah. that the program should be getting these kids ready for not another game. I right now. I agree with you. I don't think, I just think it's a bad move. I don't get it, but you know what? And, and, and Shiano had a top 25 recruiting class just signed. That's incredible with. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know of the positives that could come of this. If you divide the amount in a program, if you look in the history of college football, you take the last five years, right, of any category at any time and divide how many wins you had in those five years. And Rutgers has like eight wins in the last five years, right? Divided by how good their recruiting class is. I think this is the greatest recruiting class of all time. If there was a whip for recruiting classes, Rutgers has to have it. 
because we only won eight games and we have a top 25 class. Like Alabama, they get all five stars, but they don't lose ever. So that hurts. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. I, and now I, I just think this hurts Rutgers. If they get blown out 85 nothing, it's going to, it's a bad look for your recruits. Anyway, and it's the early signing period, February 2nd or 4th is the official day. I think we can only lose guys. Anyway, uh, that's it. That being said, um, I'm rooting for Cincinnati and Georgia. But if I was betting the game, I would say it's going to be Alabama and Michigan. I think that would be a cool game. I just think Alabama might just out of nowhere uh, just kick the shit out of everybody left. And I'll hate that. I'm tired of Alabama. Just They just win all the time. It's too much. Enough already. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not betting against them. That's for sure. I know, but aren't you know what I'm saying by enough already? I'm, I'm not even. I'm not. I'm being Jimmy Palumbo here. I'm not being. I'm not being the sauce. I'm not talking about. I'm just talking about enough. Yeah, <laughs> this team. This I also team in don't the last... agree. I, I think that Georgia's going to beat up on Michigan, though. All right, my point is about Alabama. Like in the last 15 years, they have 17 losses. I've had enough. You know what I mean? Like, all right, like, let's let that era go away. It's uh, like Nick Tom Brady. Saban, yeah, enough. I'm tired of it. Enough. Enough with Tom Brady. The reason why I can't say that about Rodgers yet is because sometimes his coaching staff and team lets him down in the playoffs. So if the Packers, rest of the Packers team shows up, maybe Rodgers could be vindicated. But, um, yeah, I'm just tired of Alabama. But it looks like they could win the whole damn thing. I'll be brief about the Knicks. I don't understand the Knicks. I don't get the Kemba Walker thing. I think it's the second week I'm talking about this. I just don't get how you can make a guy not play at all. And then when he plays, the Knicks sometimes win, sometimes they don't. But guys getting triple doubles and you had him benched, uh, th there's, a, there's a disconnect there. Now, I'm not saying Kemba Walker. He doesn't play defense, but you knew that. And it's not like he's – like who's starting? The other guy who's starting, it's, it's, I, it's not – it's mismanagement from the GM – the owner, right down to the coach. It's like I hey, could understand. Thibodeau. I could understand if they put him on the bench because he's not a great passer, and they just wanted offense off the bench, and he's not a great defender, and you just want that guy to kind of be the scorer when the second unit's in. I would understand zero that. minutes, but, but to take him play. out of the rotation entirely, that's just bad coaching. It looks like it's more of a rift between the front office and and the coach than the player. And he's always coach, smiling. He always says the right thing. Thibodeau kind of doesn't say much. I, I I just don't get. I can see reduced minutes. It's like, hey man, we're not playing well. Thibodeau is a lot like Joe Judge, where if, if you're not winning, the the people aren't going to like him unless you're winning games. Right. That's it. Um, so that's about it. Now, uh, just briefly on uh, COVID, I did get it. Like I said, I did get a little Christmas gift. Um, my mother was really jonesing to have me come down um, for uh, for Christmas. And I was concerned. My mother's 82. I'm giving her age out. She'll hate that, but she doesn't care. Um, and what I did was I tested on the ninth day and it came up positive. So I said, you know what? I'll try one more day. And in the morning I, I put it down and I didn't see any lines. I used two different tests. I posted it on Facebook, but it was well past the 30 minutes. And some people were saying, dude, you are positive. Look, I can see a faint line. I had a magnifying glass, which is, I had something like this. I mean, you know, uh, uh, what are we doing here? You know, I couldn't see a line at the time. I took the photograph well after 30 minutes. Maybe something bled through. But just for shit, I went down. I wore the mask. I ate in the kitchen alone. I stood back from my nephews. Like Some a leper. Had, yeah, I was being a leper. Uh, no question about that. Uh, like Ben-Hur. 
which I talked about last week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought I'd wash my hands constantly. I had constantly spraying, uh, putting the, you know, like, like it was the middle of the, the, the brutal pandemic. And uh, I never got near my mother and I had a good time. Saw my family and I got, I had a good time. And of course I found yeah, out my was, daughter tested a, positive. So quarantine I'm worried Christmas, about her, but man. she'll be all right. Yeah. Things could be a lot worse. Everybody went everybody, through it. Everybody dealt yeah, with it. We'll all get through it. Way. It looks like, it looks like it's easier to spread, but the, the symptoms aren't that bad, so we'll go with that. Um, I also think that people like conform to their ways. So you'll get somebody who's like, oh, I gotta wear a mask, I can't do anything. But like, for instance, if if Rutgers was playing in the national championship at Giant Stadium on uh, tomorrow, I would be like, Well, I'm gonna go to that. In other words, yeah, it's yeah, what yeah, it, of course it's, eventually it's what, right now. My mother what really compromise wanted, are you willing to make correct and when so and you know what? It's been two years with this pandemic. And even my mother was like, I know, I know, I know it's so dangerous, but it's Christmas. Can you come? Like everybody, even the most, they're doing what you want to do. If you like playing pickleball indoors and you're a big proponent of masking and all that, but, oh, I want to play pickleball. Well, that's because you want to do that. Yeah, you so know. You that's know, the way it is. And that's the way know, we have to be. You know my thoughts on the whole thing, um, but I always adhere to everything. Based on what I think of other people's decision making, I, I'm not going to make the decision for other people. So, uh, you know, the same right. reason. That's why we're doing this remote, not only right. because of of you, but I'm home too, and we're just right. we just shut things down at the studio for. Yeah, a week that was before. a smart move. Why, why, we're able why, to, why we were able to get our, Plus, our hands, able to get our hands on some tests that we're going to leave there. So, if people come in and there's going to be a, a visitor right. in the studio, we're going to make them test first. Absolutely. You know, just go through the go through the whole routine. I just think you know. until this thing slows down. Everybody just be a little more careful. Wear the mask a little bit more than you normally would. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But that's enough with COVID. It's it's a nationwide story. And I hopefully, um, you know, I love the fact that we can now at least test easier. You can go to Walgreens, get tested, um, you know, with the box. And uh, those things were very accurate for me, by the way. Um, what else do I got here? Uh, you know, switch. let's get on to something fun, at least. Uh, I'm watching this show, Yellow Jackets. You guys watching this? I'm not. Um, I was I was tempted dude, I, to put it on, but I gave you know, dude, a, I, uh, a quick read you know, on Google. You know, dude, you got to check the show out, man. I'm telling you, uh, it's it's like you don't know where it's going. And they go. It's about a, a soccer team that get, got in a plane crash uh, and they lived on this remote area for a year and a half, two years. And now they're 25 years later. They're all adults. But shit happened on that plane crash in the middle of nowhere that affected them. Uh, even though the story out in the public was that, no, they were okay. They made it back fine, but they're not fine. And it screwed them up. And every week you get a little tidbit. And the actresses that are, they basically have like the teenage version and the adult version, two different actresses, um, which I love. They didn't do any CGI. It's just who they are. But I got to tell you, the chick, uh, chick, that sounds in a Sinatra way. Whenever I say the word chick, by the way, I say that in a, in a Sinatra way, not in a sexist way. Um, but the, the broad that played, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the actress that played, uh, plays uh, Shauna, uh, Melanie Linsky, and you'll know her from, she's the wacky neighbor in Two and a Half Men. That's always uh, outside of the, the door. They're always hitting on Charlie Sheen. She plays Shauna, and the teen Shauna is by this girl named Sophia Nalise, um, they're just awesome, so believable, great stuff. Also, uh, Juliette Lewis plays the character Natalie, and she's a fairly decent-looking uh, wo woman. They have her look so gritty and 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 like nasty and all beat 
someone who life, you know, someone who's 45 or maybe she's, yes, she looks, they have her looking so beat up and she's such more, I love when they take a pretty girl and make them look beat up. You know what I mean? That's like good makeup. and Like me, Monster? Was it Charlize Right, Theron? same kind of deal. Um, it's not as crazy as Monster, but um, she's just, and so believable and she plays such a great loser and she's pissed off. Yes, you know, it's, you will totally like this character. She's like you, bro. Always aggravated. No, no. You, you'll see what I'm saying when you watch. If you watch That's the, first the thing, episode, the misconception. I'm very rarely aggravated. I know. Just, I like to say that. Even, you, even Steven. To, to get you to smile is, is a big deal. But uh, when I get the smirk, that means I'm getting a guffaw from Chris Gucci behind the glass. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it's a, it's, I don't know where the show's going. I'm seven episodes in, and I don't know. And what I like about it, too, it's every week, so I'm not in a binge, uh, uh, which I enjoy that. You wait the week, then you can't get jonesing for it. Uh, I thought, again, the last three episodes of Curb, Your Enthusiasm, I thought the season was in in the weaker versions, no, no doubt. But, man, there were some really, really funny three or four-minute sections of the last three weeks. Uh, and, and if Tracy Ullman doesn't win the Emmy for best support, whatever they have those categories she's funny as hell in this but larry david has some really uh funny moments uh but overall it's not my favorite season by a long stretch but the last three episodes i thought they finished much stronger and i hope it comes back um but speaking of that i have i got a big audition actually this week for that show bull on cbs i normally don't talk Talk about auditions till they're done with, or I get a call back or something. I don't know why. I just felt like mentioning it because I have till next Monday to get the self tape audition done. Um, and I plan playing a jerk off. Um, and I don't even know, you know, I, I'm not going to reveal the plot line, but it appears that I'm really the jerk off. <laughs> I, I might be the, the guy. I don't know if I'm the murderer, but I'm, I play a class A asshole, which I should have fun with. I think I can do that in my sleep. And uh, so uh, that should be fun this week. It's nice to always. I got that last minute booking in Atlanta, even though I got COVID from it. I mean, it's always nice to start the new year off with a, uh, an audition, which is fun for the kids. So I'll have hey, my buddy you got the um, You got the 90, wait, 90 day window of invincibility now, like Aaron Rodgers. Right had. now, I'm like, you kidding me? I'm like Michael Jordan now. Um, but I normally don't talk about, uh, uh, you know, auditions. I don't know why. I just said, you know what? It's kind of cool. What the hell? Maybe people are fans of the show Bull. Um, I'm also working out notice, a little. If you didn't notice that my headphones came undone, so there was like 30 seconds of that last little thing that I. Well, you were giving get. me that. I could tell something was wrong, but you gave me that normal. I'm not laughing at anything you say. Look anyway, but not that I, what I was saying was a joke. A minute. Um, I uh, I'm also working on another stand-up gig for January 22nd. It's going to be up here in North Jersey. I will as soon as I know deets on that. It's got to formulate. Um, we're also going to have a guest coming up Monday, which is very interesting because he's attached to the MMA world. And I am going to, as Jim Gordon would say, I'm going to heavily rely on our producers because the MMA, um, I, I know nothing about it, but I, I will know if someone's trying to bullshit me or not. <laughs> I need Chris Gucci. Yeah, I'll, def I'll definitely be able to tell you. Right. So uh, I'm interested we'll find, now. What exactly are you talking about? Is it celebrity MMA? I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's a celebrity MMA match or something going on. So he's going to actually about fight. Supposed, supposedly, yeah. All right, so we'll we'll now, leave it at that. I'm, I'm just doing. I, you know, I'm just giving you a little a little teaser for next week. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows this guy from a can of paint. I know he's. I don't think he's well known, but he may be trying to be. And we'll talk to him. Find out what he's got going on. 
Um, I also got to give a little shout out to my uh, an old friend of mine uh, from Colonia High School, uh, Artie Mackey. Uh, sadly, passed away. He was about my age. Uh, nice guy. Always. Uh, uh, you know, he played football. He, he was just. Uh, I, I was. He was in my kindergarten class, actually. Just a, a, a heart of gold. Nice guy. I haven't seen him that much over the years, um, but he was good friends with another good friend of mine who passed away, uh, Warren Ivanko, and um, he just was a good guy, man. Uh, and uh, a lot of people loved him. And he passed away on his birthday, which is very sad. So I got to give a shout out to Artie Mackey and everybody in his family. Um, and friends and all that. Uh, I hate to see an old Colonia boy go down. That's too young. He's uh, my age. And uh, even though I feel like I'm 70, um, that's too young to go. I don't know anything else about it. But just a shout out to you, brother. Also, of course, you know, my my lead in music, uh, uh, which is the Southern Cross Band, uh, Stay Alive. The guy, Sonny Pruitt, the guitar player, actually went back and found an old show from 1981. Uh, at El Greco's down in Brick. And he sent me 24 MP3s. Now, I'm going to be talking in the next coming weeks. This show is going to change a little bit. I'm going to get a little little off sports because the Giants and some things will be done. Uh, and we got some time between now and the Yankees. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about music and stuff. Um, and uh, you'll be involved with this, Chris, because we're going to talk about, even though you may not like the music I like, it's all about what music does to you and affects you. But this... Uh, the guy's name is Sonny Pruitt, P-R-E-W-I-T-T. -T. Look him up on Facebook uh, if you're an old-timer and remember that band. These these MP3s just capture what it was like to be at a Southern Cross band show at a rock bar, you know, a bar. The bars used to have, there were rock clubs where there'd be seven, 800 people in a room with a big stage at the end. And you listen to live music by, by local or regional bands. That's how Twisted Sister started out. Southern Cross, a bunch of bands like that. Even Bon Jovi, which was known as Bon, Giova uh, bon Giovanni or something. They were playing the same rock clubs. They don't do that anymore. Everything's karaoke. Kids don't like live music. But back in the day, between the banter and the, the awesome uh, southern rock covers they do and originals they're, they're so tight the musicianship it's just awesome i'm glad to have them as part of my show in the beginning with a song called stay alive but if you're a fan of the old southern cross you send him 10 bucks he sends you mp3s it's well worth it i assure you it'll bring you back in time there's no question um so i thought that was pretty cool uh to do that and speaking of music you know a, a weird thing happened I, I like different kinds of music now we're going to be uh Next week or the week after, I'm going to be going heavily into uh, – I'm a huge Southern rock fan. And I am going to be in full discussion about the Outlaws, Hatchet, Marshall Tucker, Skinner, and, of course, the Grand Poopa, the Allman Brothers Band, um, which is my favorite band of all time. But I'm also going to be talking about how you get into music, where were you when you first started getting into music? Do you have an older brother? We're going to be doing a lot of stuff like that for next week's show, which I'm going to prep for this week. Um, so, uh, Chris, you're going to be adding to that as well. Um, but I got to this, this next music thing I'm going to talk about is a little off the beaten path. But I'll tell you what happened. Now, my dad was a huge Bing Crosby fan. Okay. Now, it's Christmas time, it's just ending, but everybody has probably heard on the new, on the radio, on on when you're shopping in the mall, a Bing Crosby song in it. But to me, he is the voice of Christmas. Um, and 
so I my dad had one of those like uh, like Victrola, as he used to call it, where it played CDs, a record album on top, on the side. It was called like vintage music, and we got him that, and he could play his old records. So we had these old classic Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby uh, Christmas album. Now every year, Christmas. Now back in the day, Christmas wasn't didn't start in July like it does now. Christmas started after Thanksgiving, usually that weekend after, maybe two weekends after. Actually, my dad would go up in the attic, getting the tree down. We'd be all excited, and he put his nativity set, which he made. Um, you know, for when my brother, when my mother was pregnant with my brother in 1960, it's still in my mother's house. It's the only one she's ever had. And my father would get the old Christmas albums out and play them while we were decorating the tree and looking at the old ornaments. And that to me just is Christmas. So my dad, obviously, you know, listen, he passed away. Um, he passed away actually four years ago uh, this week, almost to the day. And I always had his albums and my, my daughter got, gets a real kick out of placing the needle on the record. Like she's 12. She, that's like, that's like playing a game to her. Like it's just so foreign to, to anybody. And I'm not saying, you know, my brother, you know, started out listening to music. He had the, you know, uh, a turntable. Uh, but what happened, I noticed this year, my dad had like six really old Bing Crosby albums. Right. But they were skipping all over the place. So I drove by one of those creepy looking record shops. Okay. And, uh, um, and I was like, you know what? Let me go in there. So I went in there and I said to myself, I want to keep the outside album cover because they were my dad's, but if they're skipping, you can't really listen to it. You know? So I went and bought six and they had all six of them. I couldn't believe it. The guy was like looking at me, like I don't move that many Bing Crosby albums. And I, what I did was I bought, pristine albums shoved them in my dad's the the, the album cover and uh, so now i got like really nice non-skipping bing crosby music but the reason why i'm even bringing this up is because when i was clearing out my dad's stuff he used to get this magazine and this this is the part of the show that is people that are over 60 <laughs> so he used to get this magazine called bing came to the house all the time for years and I used to see it and he would open it up, but it was very, uh, uh, very cerebral. There was articles written. And my dad liked to look at the pictures and look at the different stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so what happened was we're cleaning out his stuff. And somehow I ended up with a copy of this magazine. And I realized, I looked and said, wow, I remember my dad getting this. So I opened it up. And there was a phone number there. So I called up and some guy answered the phone. He's like 90 years old. I'm like, are you in charge of the Bing Crosby International Fan Club? And he's like, yes. I was like, what does it cost to get this magazine? He's like, oh, you have to send me a check for $35. I was like, I sent him a check like five seconds later. So every six weeks, I get this Bing Crosby magazine, right? And I'm laughing because it's really to open, when I get it in the mail, I just think of my dad. So, but then, you know, you come home, you bring in, you bring in a cup of coffee. All of a sudden, you start looking at the magazine. Like, if I had a magazine on crocheting and it's sitting in front of you, what do you do? Like, hey, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I was doing it like that. So, and I, 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 I realized it's the longest running uh, uh, international fan club of all time. It started in 1927. It's 2021. Like, I mean, think about like, you know, a Justin Bieber fan club. Like this. That's a long time. Now, and Bing Crosby died in 1977. So like he's been dead for, uh, what is it? 23. Uh, 
He's been dead for 44 years. His club still goes. They have United States, England, and Australia. Okay. Now, they did merge with various clubs, but basically this main one. So anyway, I start reading about stuff in this magazine. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. And I realized that I don't think people know. Uh, and, and, and you're, and you're going to get a kick out of this because it has, in a weird way, I'm going to connect it to podcasting and guys like Bill Burr and Joe Rogan. Um, the uh, Bing Crosby was a huge, huge uh, uh, singer between like 1929 and 1940. Okay. And we're talking about bef- kind of before radio when you, you bought albums for and put them on your your Victrola that was in your your living room, and then when radio came out, okay, the radio people the 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 people that made the discs were like, oh my god, this new thing radio you can get it for free over the airwaves, and they were selling radios for a dollar, and then they realized, oh, we can advertise the song on the radio, and then people will buy the disc, so which goes on to this day. And then he also started doing movies that were huge box office hits. These are movies that aren't even preserved anymore. They're gone. So not only was he a huge star singing, he was a huge star on uh, uh, on the radio. And he also was one of the first singers to really implement, like, the mic I'm talking into right now, the, the intimacy of talking into a microphone. Because in the beginning of his career, everything was done with a megaphone. So when you were on stage singing, you actually held up a megaphone which is guys like Al Joseph, like where they sang really loud and all that different stuff. Well, Bing Crosby developed, he realized, well, wait a minute with this microphone. I can be really intimate. Like I'm singing in your living room. And then, so he ended up doing movies. And then of course the forties, he was the biggest box office draw in the forties, tons of hits nominated for Academy award a bunch of times, won one for going my way. Then he did and eventually did television in the 50s and 60s, and he had a huge rating TV show, which climaxed on his last one by he was getting a guest, this to him, an unknown singer named David Bowie, who happened to be the biggest pop star in the world. And um, his kids were like, Dad, you got to get David Bowie. He was like, who's this guy? He didn't know anything about him. Was very uh, unlike him. I'll leave it at that in terms of uh, views. And uh it turns out that David Bowie said no to Bing Crosby. Like, I'm not doing the Bing Crosby show. But David Bowie was here in the United States, and his mother was still alive. So he calls up his mother, and he tells his mother, yeah, some guy, Bing Crosby, wants me to do his show. Now, the mother was like, Bing Crosby just invited you to do his show? You have to do it. You have to do it. Like, completely, like. Just he had no idea England. who he was. He knew, but it was like, oh, that guy sings white crit. Like, who's this old man? I'm now. This is when this is seventy seven when David Bowie was like uh, on the cutting edge of whatever you want to call his greatness. Another great guy. Turns out, David Bowie and him had very similarities with technology because David Bowie was in on the streaming and MP three thing early on. You can read about that. So he ends up doing the David Bowie thing, and they end up singing uh, the the little drummer boy, which they didn't rehearse. And here's Bing, and they, they they say David Bowie was a nervous wreck because his mother was telling him how big Bing is. And now it's a, a huge a huge hit. They show it all the time, and it's the oddest uh, oddest uh, combination duet of, of all time. Artists, yeah. yeah, but I mean, this guy Bing Crosby had uh, 41 number one hits. Uh, uh, he had the most singles. 
samples of any artist from 1931 to 1954. The song Bing Crosby sold 50 million copies. He has 23 gold and platinum records. But here's another cool thing that people don't realize, and you'll get a kick out of this. He, like, owned tons of horses, which a lot of guys do. But he also owned the track. You know, the Del Mar track in California? Have you ever heard of that? He, he was the original owner. So think about this. He was a huge star, and he owned a track. Like, how many guys do that? Then he was also owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates, okay, in the late 50s and 60s. And he was, he was always a big baseball fan. And at the same time, Bing Crosby got involved from the radio days with magnetic tape. He, he invested with, because guys were saying, hey, you know, Bing, there's ways we can record your radio show and re-air it an hour. You don't have to come in every hour. We do one in the morning and we're good to go. So Bing Crosby invested with companies and like gave money for R&D for magnetic tape, like reel-to-reel -reel stuff, which led to him getting involved with a company called Ampax, which was early videotape recording. So not only was this guy like bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Bob Dylan, bigger than Sinatra, bigger than everyone. He was also heavily involved in the technology that created the world we have today um, in terms of what we do. And that's why each level he was always ahead. And I'm bringing it down to podcasting because, you know, you know, six years ago when the podcasting world started, you know, uh, Bing Crosby were alive today. He would have been in on that too. You know what I mean? Um, but he did something really wild with game seven of the 1960 World Series between the Pittsburgh Pirates was, was one on a home run. I was going to bring that up when you said he, owner and you said, okay, listen, just this is nuts that you're going to love this. He actually, because he was at investments with Ampex, he got them to videotape the game, game seven. Okay. And he was so nervous over, it, he ended up, he, he, he was like, I, he was going to go to the game, but he just took off for Europe with his family and he listened to it on the radio, on like Armed Forces Radio, because he couldn't, he was so nervous about it. When he got back, he watched the tape once, okay? Nobody even knew the game was being taped, okay? He put it in his wine cellar, 1960. No one discovered it until 2009, when going through his wife was like i got some tapes here and somebody was like this is a television game of the the home the game seven it's the pittsburgh pirates shining moment of all time bill mazarowski hits again a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning with yogi berra playing left field another thing people forget um and immediately the mlb network bought it probably for like a billion dollars or they donated it and it aired on 2010 in its entirety and someday have you ever watched that you got to no. hear how raw the announcers are. They didn't even know what they were doing. It was like radio, but a TV thing. It's, it's, um, uh, so it's, it's like chop it's sports. Totally no. <laughs> it's like chop sports, right? No, but you have to, uh, uh, anyway. So I just, I'm sitting there, I'm going, well, everybody knows this guy's the old man singing Christmas songs, but this guy was just, and then there's the road movies with Bob Hope, which invented serial, serial movies. Like, where you do, it's like Rocky, you do Rocky one, two, three, that kind of thing. He did that with the road movies. Uh, and uh, it's just, I, I, you know, I end up reading a biography on him, a 600 paid biography. Yeah, I can tell. You know, and I know, I know, you, I know you're going to comment on that. But anyway, no, I, I think it's very interesting at how, at how major this guy really was in terms of music. And it's a shame that 
he's one of those guys that, you know, Sinatra has stayed the test of time. You know, people still uh, listen to Frank Sinatra year round, not just Christmas. And um, other artists, you know, Elvis, the Beatles, but somehow Bing Crosby was a very private guy. And a lot of the books written about him after his death were actually money grabs by some of his kids. And he wasn't the jerk off. Everybody said he was. His kids said he was anyway. But um, very interesting stuff. So that's it. You know what? I decided to talk a little bit about music. And I decided to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about um, Bing Crosby. And uh, that's how that's why the Jimmy Palumbo show is so special, because we went Versatility, from COVID, ladies and gentlemen, we went from COVID to the giant stink to uh, finishing with Bing Crosby. And I'm letting you know, I'll be talking more about music um, in the next coming weeks. We're going to be talking about some Southern rock and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'll give you all my I'll give you my top five hip hop artists well, dead. And well, alive. no, no, no. Well, listen, I have versatility. No, no, it's I'm not very about versatile versatility. with music. What we're going to talk about is what I'm going to be talking about in the next couple few episodes. Is, I have an older brother. Do you have an older brother? I do. Okay. Well, it's 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 all not about necessarily the artist you listen to. I'm older than you, so my music can be different than you. But it's about how you got to be honest with yourself and say, "Hey, you know what? I've been listening to this band. What? Why am I a fan of this?" And it it could mean, "Oh, you know what?" Uh, I met I dated this girl. She was into it. Now I'm hooked. Or my older brother had it. Or even my dad listened to a lot of dads were rockers. Um, and and it, it, I I love why you get into music and what it means to you today, and stuff like that. So we're going to be covering a lot of that. So we will have a our first ever prep meeting during the week. I think I think you'll be surprised. That. You'll be surprised by my how I love it. I am. Uh, I, I, it's and it's really even if you only listen to like three bands. It's about why you listen to the band. Oh, I got a lot, and, and man. I got, I got. Let's go. I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I think you know, that you. Know you actually know. be impressed. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. This is going to be good content. I guarantee content. you. I get. I guarantee you. I, I'm I'm going to know very little about any of the bands you say, and that's cool though. I want to be. I could be counter educated. No, I, I think. I, I think obviously. I think obviously there's a a ton, and when I say a ton, there's going to be a ton of bands and and artists that I know about that you don't. But I think that you'll be impressed by the amount of knowledge i do have of things that you don't think i would when it comes to music I, I, I look forward to it i just i just think it's music look we talk a lot about sports but we got to have another and we talked about my bookings and i'm always going to talk about um shows that we watch i know with the holidays we've both been busy i know you're you're breaking your ass working at different things and we, you haven't had time to really watch tv but um i i want to be able to discuss some things like that and we have some fun with it so that's right. it that is so show yellow, yellow jackets it is Try Yellow Jack. And I'm also watching Turning Point, that documentary on 9-11. That's intense on Netflix. Oh, my God. I'm three episodes into that about uh, the start of terrorism and all that stuff. It's very interesting and sad, but intense. All right. Well, listen, uh, post-Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. Um, we will be talking about the Rutgers game next Monday to see how well they did against Wake Forest. I am predicting Rutgers is going to lose by 30 or more. Um, I hope they don't. I don't want to embarrass them, but I don't like this matchup at all. And um, I hope the Bears and Giants lose their rest of the games and um, they hire my uh, brother as a general manager. I think he'd do just as good as gentlemen. And uh, listen, Chris, Happy New Year and uh, Merry Christmas to your family. Please give your mom and dad a hug. 
well, you can't give them a hug now. Or I, I just revealed something there, but when you can't yeah, hug every, them, yeah. I don't, I don't to, you said not to say anything. I just did, but uh, no, that's all right. When you get a, everybody's when you in get quarantine. A, when you get a chance, quarantine. I'm not going to say what they have, but when you get a chance, ten or twelve days from now, give them a hug for me. You know? uh, you could, but everybody and listen, everybody, please be safe out there. Don't jerk around with this COVID. You're probably not going to get that sick, but you know, keep an eye on it. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Jimmy Palumbo show getting involved here. But one thing we didn't really do again, once again, I got so involved. Um, I want to give a special shout out, a year end shout out to my good friends over at Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. You need eyeglasses. Go check. Go just go down there. Call them up. 732-326-3937. Craig and Janine Michaud, uh, you know, they're just awesome. They've been with me since the very beginning. They got everything, uh, everything you need with the inner glasses. And they're good people. They take all the insurances. They're not jerk-offs. You're going to feel good when you go there. Their reputation, go on Yelp. So what you got to do is go on Yelp and look up Absolute Eyewear, and you tell me. Um, and all those are honest. They don't like fake Yelp ads. And uh, just, just for one last of the year, uh, they have these current glasses, ladies and gentlemen. Your attention, please. Now, at Absolute Eyewear, Ray Ban, Coach Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar. And to all my listeners, family, and friends. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Please be safe. That's it, kids. We'll see you next week.